Welcome back to another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. Today, we're going to talk all about parenting in the pandemic. This episode is long overdue. As you know, navigating parenting during this crazy COVID year has been a challenge in and of itself, as though parenting was not hard enough to begin with. My guest today is Dr. Kelly Fraden. She is a pediatrician. She's a mom of two. She considers herself to be a child advocate, and she stepped out of her role as a pediatrician working for the Department of Health in New York City and into her own living room where she made the decision to quit her job, to stay home, to do remote learning with her kids, and oh, by the way, wrote a book. So her first book is out in the world. It's called Parenting in a Pandemic, How to Help Your Family Through COVID-19. In her book and in her social media teachings at Advice I Give My Friends, Kelly strives to fill the gap between the overwhelming sea of information about parenting and to help with those tough topics or the ones that tend to confuse us as parents. I am so Excited and honored to bring you this conversation with Dr. Kelly. She is sharing all of all, all about navigating decision making, how to figure out what's best for us, how to follow the facts instead of living in fear, and sharing about Delta variant, how that affects our kids. There is so much good content in this episode, and it's going to reassure you and just make you feel much more comfortable with your own ability to make decisions and choose what is best for your family. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Hi, I'm Tracy, an impassioned lady on a quest to slay working motherhood and find fulfillment. I'm here to help you navigate the beautiful and damned in the life of a working mom. I'm a PA, mom, wife, and lover of fashion who is guiding my fellow working moms to ditch the dread and find fulfillment in the wonder and the war zone that is modern motherhood. I teach you the clinical pearls you need to create a life you love, pearls you can apply today to change your life tomorrow. Skirt around those heavy real life topics? No way. Here you'll get an unfiltered ringside seat. You'll hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting, step-parenting, marriage, motherhood, faith, and finances are all topics we will sit down and unpack together. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all the motivation and encouragement you need to help navigate working motherhood. Each week, it's like a mom's night out had a baby with a TED Talk. Then the mom's night out went back to work. Pull up a seat, get settled, and get ready to be inspired and encouraged. This is Fulfilled, the podcast. Welcome to the show. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about you and what you enjoy doing? Hi. So thanks for having me. Um, My name is Kelly Fraden, and I'm a pediatrician in New York City. I am also the mother of a three and seven-year-old. And um, so, you know, I think those are my main hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) I... uh, I also do some writing on the side and um, share parenting and children's health advice on social media under the handle um, advice I give my friends, which sort of started organically because I was giving people ask me for advice all the time, you know, like in the pickup line at, at school, like <laughs> when, when, when should I give the flu shot? And I like, you know, it's not really like specific medical advice. So I try to help people out with um, the things that I can. And so, but everybody has the same question about like, when is too many tantrums really too many? <laughs> so I figure if I talk about it 
on Instagram, uh, you know, it helps more, more people. And it's been a really fun creative outlet to reach a lot of folks there. Awesome. Uh, would you be willing to share with us a little bit about your journey and background becoming a physician and also sort of the unique uh, background and training that positioned you to have this specific knowledge that would prove useful in the last two years? Right. Sure. So I, um, I was inspired to go into medicine because I had childhood cancer. So, um, you know, I grew up, I, I don't even really remember having the cancer because I was so little, but I grew up around a lot of doctors and I had a lot of role models in the field and I saw the impact that good doctors could have in making a difference. And that, that was what pulled me towards the field. And in doing so, I had a deep understanding of the fact that the science and the research should only get you really halfway, that if you're really going to make a difference, you need to understand people and where they're coming from and what they care about. And for that reason, I, I spent a lot of time in my undergrad career uh, at college doing research in psychology. And my research there focused on like stress and the biopsychological consequences of, of chronic stress. Um then when I went on to do my residency, you know, I came to New York to follow my husband's career path and I was did my training here in New York. And when I was doing that, I did extra work. Children, like one of the biggest uh, problems facing children is, is that they get sick a lot, right? We know kids on average get like six to eight colds a year when they're little. And sometimes those colds are more severe. And so I did some research about, um, about, viruses and respiratory viruses and hospitalization. And so I am not new to reading scientific studies and I have a pretty solid background in these things. And so when the pandemic hit, you know, I had been writing for a while. Um, and my husband was sort of like, if anybody's going to write a book about it, like it should be you because like, you know, a lot about, you know, stress and how people make decisions and, and epidemiology. I, I, I didn't, I almost got a public health degree. I was one one credit shy, but I chose to study abroad. Oh, instead so of, close. <laughs> I, was like, I, I really wanted to study abroad. Um, I spent a summer in Spain instead of taking public health 101 or whatever it was. But but I felt like I was qualified to talk about the pandemic. And, um, and so I did it. And it was kind of like a big leap because I had followed a pretty predictable career path before that. But it was a lot of fun. Um, to do something different, a new challenge and like start from scratch. Like I knew nothing about writing a book. I kind of like when I published it, I, I had no marketing plan or like <laughs> I hadn't thought past that. I was like, <laughs> I'll put it up and then see what happens. And it, it's worked out fine. So let's talk about that sort of deviation from the normal plan as a physician. So uh, last year during the pandemic, you you were one day a practicing pediatrician, and then you decided to stay home with your kids so that you could be there um, for them to do this brand new thing, which was remote learning. Um, this was the thing that a lot of parents faced during the pandemic. So what did that decision-making process look like for you and your husband and kind of figuring out what was best for your family during that time? Yes. Uh, so because of the sort of work I was doing before the pandemic, it sort of, it made it kind of a no-brainer. So I should mention that I was working in school health for the New York City Department of Health. So um, I was, I had my backpack and I was going from school to school doing this like safety net program for children in high-risk communities who had chronic illnesses. And um, when the schools shut down, I mean, I tried to do it remotely calling these families, 
but the schools were closed. And so my ability to see them and examine them and give them medicine and come up with treatment plans for school, like it was gone. My job was gone, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So they said, you know, we can keep you employed as a COVID swabber. But I was like, who will watch my kids? And how will I feel safe, like coming home to my family every day? And like, so, so I ended up just quitting, um, mostly because of those logistical problems. I did love working for the city. The Department of Health here is great. Um, but I'm lucky that my husband was, you know, to, to be fair, I was working in public health. Uh, he, my husband is the breadwinner for our family, so that made that decision a lot easier. Um, that sort of like I, a long, long time ago when I was deciding whether to, what kind of medical specialty to pursue, my husband and I had very like frank conversations about who was, who was um, going to be the primary parent and whose salary was going to be the primary salary. And, and so we had kind of set that, set it up for me to be the one. And sure. we both felt like a lot of peace with that arrangement. Sure. Yeah. It's good to have those conversations in advance of when babies start showing up so that you do have a plan it was helpful um, for, for that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of the challenges, the unique and crazy challenges that COVID-19 presented to working parents, parents in general, in the past year and a half. So in your uh, posting online, your research for your book, what are some of the most profound or impressive things that you've observed the shift happening with children and families during this time of quarantine and staying at home orders and all that has come? So I think I think one of the most challenging things about the pandemic, I mean, we've really never had anything like this happen before in, you know, in modern days. I mean, I get people talk about sure some of the flu epidemics in the past, but it's really different now. Um, I think the uncertainty and the um, inability to plan ahead has been very difficult for families. It's been difficult for me. Um, I think the fact that, that the guidelines and the recommendations are changing often is also very difficult because it makes you feel unsettled in the choices that you're making. In some ways, it's like a perfect storm to kind of maximize stress um, because there's also the big, big picture, like people's livelihoods have been disrupted. And there's also real stress in terms of like feeding your family and keeping your family housed and safe and all those things. Um, I, I think I, I've shared in other forums, like the idea that there's like, in psychology, a foundational piece of it is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is that triangle that you've seen with like what matters most. And and I feel like, you know, safety is right there at the bottom. And, and the pandemic has made people feel unsafe in their everyday interactions. And I think that has a really profound impact on people's mental health. And so we all are trying to balance being as safe as we can and protecting the people that we care about with feeling um, safe and feeling connected with our communities. It's been really tough times. For sure. And I think with that has come a lot of fear, that unknown, that uncertainty, the feeling like the target is constantly moving because guidelines are getting updated as soon as you can kind of wrap your heads around the one that was out before it. So in your book, you talk about families choosing to follow the facts and not the fear. And it's a great catchy phrase. But to you, what does that mean as it plays out in our everyday life? What are some things that we can do to find accurate facts and to sort of use those facts to stop living in so much perpetual fear? Yes. Uh, So 
it, I think it's really tough because in normal medicine, like outside of pandemic times, we know it takes about like 10 years for a new piece of scientific knowledge to trickle down into being clinically practiced widespread. And so, <laughs> which just makes me laugh after the year. So, that like, had. of like, course. Like we've had this rapid fire, like downpour of information and facts coming in. And I think it's it's difficult to integrate that quickly because one thing is, you know, normally we like scientific studies to be replicated and repeated and coming from multiple sources so that we know they're reliable. And we haven't always had that, but we do try um, to, to make the decisions that are guided by the evidence. And I think when I was writing the book, there were still a lot of people that were bleaching their produce and like Lysoling their mail and the libraries were closed and quarantining books for three days because they were worried about fomites because when it started, we didn't know how coronavirus spread and now we know more. And so we can rely on those facts to change our behavior and like stop Lysoling our groceries. And, and, you know, by May of 2020, we had data about how Australia and the UK had not closed their schools and had not seen a lot of school spread. And we could have used those data points to guide some of our decisions about schools in the 2020 to 2021 school year, but we really didn't. There were a lot of places in the country where schools were closed or hybrid for much of the year. And I I think that that was mostly because of fear more so than fact. and and I, in some ways, I don't blame people because I think uncertainty when it comes to safety, you know, you want to be sure, you want to be confident. So I understand that. But I think that um, integrating best practices and being guided by the evidence is really crucial. And I have to say that Delta comes right into this because we were just kind of really getting a handle on how to handle COVID. And then it's like, oh, this strain is three times more transmissible. And, you know, now we're still, now everyone is opening schools and we don't actually have a lot of evidence about Delta in schools yet, but we're hopeful and, and we're optimistic, but I think it's important to acknowledge what we know and what we don't and be open about that as a scientific community. But sometimes like as parents, you're like, you don't really need to be bogged down by all this, right? You just want to know like what you need to know. Mm -hmm. So following all the debates and all the confusion can make you feel even more and more unsettled. So so I think that's that's tricky. It, this year, following the facts, I think, is a lot harder than it was last year, except in regards to vaccination, because it's very clear that the vaccines are, are some of the best things that have ever happened scientifically. I mean, the fact that they invented these vaccines and brought them to market a year later, and at this point, 1.9 billion people in the world have been vaccinated. Like it's a huge accomplishment. Um, So I'm very hopeful that, you know, things are just going to get better and better because of the vaccines that we have. So that that's a fact that we can use to help us sleep at night. (laughs) Sure. Be encouraged about and, and, and feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel for sure. I can feel it in my bones. This is the year that you start to make traction toward those big, scary financial goals. If you are looking to trim up your budget, to make progress towards paying off your house, saving for your kid's college, or taking that dream vacation to the tropics, I have just the thing for you. 
It is a free guide I created of 12 things to quit buying that will save you $15,000 a year. You can find the link in the show notes or go to tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash 12 things. That's tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash 12 things. Get ready to start saving major money and making real traction towards those big financial goals. I think that with this downpouring of information and sort of these constant ongoing guidelines and recommendations... I know I personally have felt a sense of fatigue regarding decisions. Like it took our everyday life and then it made us second guess every decision that we've made from safety to sports to what social interactions we feel like are safe. Um, I have kids, five of them, who range in age from 18, freshman in college, down to two and a half. And what's safe for my vaccinated teenagers versus what's safe for my elementary school kids. So if someone is feeling like that and they're still feeling like every time they have to make another decision, it's just become this exhausting endeavor. What tips can you give our listeners who are kind of in that fatigue regarding decision stage? So, you know, one thing I like to do is, is really just put kind of my blinders on and stop paying so much attention to what other people are deciding and focus on my family. And I know people say that they like to know what their peers are doing because it, it helps them think through things. But but I think it's really important to acknowledge that everybody makes decisions from different variables and you never have all the facts if you're not part of that family, right? So, you know, somebody's mental health uh, you know, they may be really depressed and they may consciously choose to take more COVID risk because the social exposure and the emotional support they get from their friends really matters to them. And you have to respect that. But that doesn't mean that the decisions they're making are right for you necessarily. Or on the other side, sometimes families who are being really, really careful and you don't know why, like, it may be that, you know, a parent in the family has inflammatory bowel disease and is on a serious immunosuppressant. And they're more scared about getting sick, even with the vaccine, because they're not sure the vaccine really worked. And and so I think those extenuating circumstances of families that have really legitimate reasons to be more risk tolerant or more risk averse uh, make it really difficult to make decisions based on what others around you are doing. So, you know, um, you have to ground your decisions in your own family and you have to be confident that you know your family best as you're doing that. And the, the other thing I'll say is like simplifying it, making fewer decisions. So uh, during the worst of the pandemic, before the vaccines came out and everything, my family had a very simple role, which was like outside is okay because we know the ventilation and the UV light and sort of the natural that distancing made it a lower risk thing to do anything outside. And so when people, when things came up indoors, it was just like an easy answer. We didn't think about whether um, we should rethink our whole decision. We thought, is this an exception or not? You know, if it's the grandparents we haven't seen in 18 months, like maybe it's an exception, <laughs> but, but if it's not, if it's just a, you know, seeing a, friend we could see outside, we would just stick by the guidelines. Sure. I think that having that sort of baseline, like we're going to operate with this sort of assumption or this thing that we're going to say, we're holding this up, this is what we're going to do. And we can make exceptions, but on special cases only, it does cut down on the amount of times you have to say, 
well, honey, what do you think about this? Like, do you think it's safe to go? Should we, shouldn't we? These other families are going. You can really get, you know, kind of bogged down in the weeds there Mm -hmm. for sure. So kind of along the same line, we've got to take a moment to discuss kind of making these decisions for what's best for our specific family. So absolutely, everyone listening is the expert in their own kids and their own family, what's important, kind of setting that threshold for risk tolerance versus avoiding risks. Talk to me about your decision-making process, kind of what you guys do. And I'm also really curious to see if your trampoline is still up or your kids still jumping on the trampoline. Yes, yes. It. I think I, I was uh, almost the most nervous in publishing my book about admitting as a pediatrician that I have a trampoline because that's a very controversial <laughs> thing. It's a very controversial choice, but but I stand by it as the right one for my very cautious kids. <laughs> it brought them a lot of joy at a time when we didn't have a lot of options. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, yes. Um, so how how to make a decision. I, I've heard from so many people about, um, I think it's actually pretty easy for one person, you know, consider the facts, consider the risk, consider the benefits, and then you make a decision. Um, but what makes making a decision so hard, I think, is the variables Um, and the relationships. I've heard from a lot of families where maybe one parent feels this way and the other parent feels this way, or maybe the parents decide on their plan, but then they get a lot of pushback from their, their grandparents or the, or the brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And, and then they, there's a lot of tension and a lot of questioning and, and it's very, I think that's what makes the decisions so difficult because well, I guess I guess the other thing, even if you're just making the decision on your own, you know, I think the hardest decisions, there's often like either not a good decision or the decisions are pretty similar in outcome. So I'll give the example of, mm. I hear from a lot of people, so I have a newborn at home and the two-year-old was supposed to go to like a mother's morning out program a few days a week. And I don't know if the risk of exposure to viruses is worth it uh, for my family. And it's like, so if the child goes to the twos program, that'll be like a nice break for you uh, to focus on the baby and maybe get some rest. It'll be good social exposure for your two-year-old. But then on uh, then there's the risk of the two-year-old bringing home a cold that really like could happen, probably will happen at some point and could mm-hmm. could have a really you know, negative effect on your family life. Or the other option is also like not great. Maybe that means that you as a caregiver like don't ever get a break and and your child doesn't have that social exposure. And it's like, there's a reason that that decision is hard. It's not that there is a lack of information. It's that neither choice is ideal <laughs> and you're just kind of mm-hmm. stuck uh, making your best guess and kind of there's uncertainty and there's um, yep. there's a lack of a clear winner in some of these situations, and that that's tough. Have you ever wished that you could get cash back on your purchases without dealing with introductory rates on credit cards, counting points, and credit card hopping to try to find the best deal? Do you wish that you could earn cash back on the purchases that you are already making? 
Rakuten has you covered. This cash back button is a browser extension that finds you coupons and earns you cash back on things like your KiwiCo crates for the kids, makeup at Ulta, tech items from Best Buy and Apple, your office supplies from Staples, and clothing from places like Nordstrom and White House Black Market. You can shop, earn, and save with Rakuten. And when you sign up using the link in the show notes, you'll get an instant $30 back after your first qualifying purchase. There's been a whole lot of gray this year. If there was ever a time when we said it's not black and white, it's not clear cut, you know, I think I think you're right when when these decisions are this one is obviously risky with lots of downsides, but and this one is very much safer. That's a pretty easy decision, but when you can see the benefit and the joy or the fun or the human connection or whatever it is that you're going to get out of that little more risky, little more interactive situation, then it's more tempting or it feels more worth it. And so you kind of got away these sort of risks, rewards, everything in balance. And it's not a multiple choice test, right? So there is no right answer. It's going to, and it could be different when that baby is one, right? So, you know, that would look very different in six months to a year from now because your baby's immune system will have developed and things would just look different. So sometimes a little bit of time and some patience will help to clear things up in those situations. Yes, I agree. Awesome. So I want to share all about your book. So I was telling you before we pressed record, I read it this week in preparation for this interview, and I felt this profound sense of peace reading it, which is a strange thing to say about a book, which is titled Parenting in the Pandemic. Um, But what I loved about it was it was so refreshing to have one single voice. And I've been following you on social media for a while. So I kind of knew you, I knew your style, I trusted you, and I could hear your professional, well-informed voice sharing very concise information, advice on things like socializing for my teens. And and it was just incredibly different from kind of the way I've been functioning these last 18 months where I've been hearing news reports and articles and things flying around at the office and media, social media, friends, family, all these different sort of level of chattering voices. Um, And so the book is amazing. If you guys haven't checked out Parenting in the Pandemic, absolutely go and do that. So tell us about the book, kind of why you wrote it and where listeners can go to get their own copy. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so kind of you. Um, I was going pretty nuts (laughs) back in April right after a lockdown because I I, I guess – you know, it really hit New York hard, uh, the pandemic. For those of your listeners who might not be around here, I mean, you know, there were field hospitals in Central Park, and I I was part of this team of public health doctors in the South Bronx, and like, of the 20 of us, 14 had it when we locked down, and like, most of them were older, nearing retirement age, and we were scared. And so I was reading everything, everything that came out about the pandemic, like just consuming all the knowledge. And it was sort of like pacing back and forth alone in my house, consuming all the knowledge. And I sort of was like, what what could I do to help? Because I'm stuck home with my kids. I'm not able to go see see patients or like help in the hospitals. And and so, so that's why I started like writing uh, the book and sharing the information that I did on my social media account um, because I was trying to help. And, um, it's funny. I, I'm really thankful. My husband kind of encouraged me to take, take the leap because there was definitely some moments there where I was like, 
can I really do this? Can I really like write a book? And can I just like self-publish? And it, it was a lot of you're like, I'm not a writer, I'm a doctor. A lot of learning. There's a whole reason they have this publishing yeah. industry because it is like, you know, I thought I could lay out my own book. It turns out the book layout is like something that actually needs to be done by a professional. Um, ah, but okay. it was a really fun project and it's been really great to, to try to help people during these times. And, and part of the reason also that I started writing and sharing stuff on social media in the first place is because I have this like passion project that long term I wanted to write a book about helping parents through a challenge when your child has like a new diagnosis or a disability or a mental health issue. And um, that writing parenting in a pandemic kind of gave me more of a platform and it helped me get like an agent in a publishing company. And so, so I'm really excited about the next book too. So that'll be coming out. Uh, Advanced parenting will be coming out in 2023, which seems far away, but I do have deadlines that I have to start writing it. <laughs> sure. It'll yes. be here soon. Yeah. Um, so people can find it on Amazon. Um, yes. Okay. Um, you know, it probably the easiest way to find it is to go uh, to my website, advice I give my friends.com and there's all the links there. Or, you know, if you find me on social media at advice I give my friends, you can find the links too. Um, and it's very cheap now because, you know, I, I was never really trying to make money off the book. <laughs> off the book. Um, I was just trying to, to provide a helpful resource. So Absolutely. And a helpful resource it is. My only uh, – the only downside is I wish I had read it sooner. That's the only thing I could say about the book that I did not love. So absolutely, if you are Thank tuning you. into this, if you are – you know, we're still walking through things that are changing and Delta and back to school and what does that look like and how does it feel and how are kids dealing with that? There was so much in the book that was reassuring, little tidbits that were helpful. So absolutely go and check it out. All right. So thank you so much for your time. I'm so appreciative that you were able to join us. I think that we covered a lot of really important ground that people are going to find really helpful during this time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Until next time, keep on slaying your own fire-breathing dragons. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. I have a favor to ask. If you like what you heard today, please tell your friends. Take a screenshot and share it on social. You can tag me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman, and you can tag the podcast at Fulfilled Podcast. And please consider leaving a review. I'd love to hear what you think and your reviews can help other moms find me so they can grow alongside you. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to subscribe so you get next week's episode automatically in your podcast queue. Instant inspiration and all the mom jokes. Yes, please. We'll see you next week on Fulfilled the Podcast.